that you'll hear in some of these passages. Um, one is going to be bitterness. Um, that's just simply, I, I, a lot of times I define bitterness as anger with roots, right? It's, it's, it's anger that, that don't want to go anywhere, right? Because it's got some, it's, it's holding on to some territory, okay? The other word that you're going to hear is, is forgiveness. Sometimes you'll hear it in, in the form of unforgiveness. Um, over hurts, over things in our lives, we know in our, we know in our brain where the greatest messages, truths of the gospel is, is there, there is forgiveness found in Jesus and, and one of the workings of that forgiveness, that's that saving grace, is that not, we're not just supposed to receive it. Because remember, that's, that's how we define grace. Grace fully is what, what comes to us, what we receive, it does a work in us. But then ultimately, it's part of God's working out of us. And, and there's always something to forgive. Now, in, in the pa- one of the passages we're going to read, the word oftentimes in the four Gospels um, is, is hurt doesn't come up. That's kind of more of our term. But the word debt does. The, the term of forgiving a debt, a, a debt is something that's owed. And, and I don't know about you, but that, that's a pretty good description. If, if someone has hurt me, you ever felt like, okay, if, you, if you've done that to me, then, then you owe me something, an apology? You, you, it, maybe you feel like, or not felt like before, you, you, you owe me the same experience. You should feel what I've had to feel. And, and, and that's where the roots start forming. So Matthew chapter 18 is the first place that we're going to be. Um, work through this passage, just see really what Jesus teaches. It starts out from a question from Peter. It's a pretty familiar passage. I think you've probably maybe heard it before. If you've been in church long, uh, I, I, my prayer is this morning that will really allow you to be able to, um, to hear it differently. Hey, can we pray before we read this? God, your grace is so good. It does good in us, and it, and it does good out of us. But Lord, Lord, even as your children and as your people, um, we struggle. And God, sometimes that struggle just consumes us. So Lord, today, help us to see ourselves in the light of the love of the gospel that you show us. Help us to see the plan that you have for our lives. And Lord, even as we read these scriptures... God, help us to set aside our own failures to be able to hear in grace your truth so, Lord, we can rely on it, believe it, and use it in our lives. God, I pray that we would, I would remove myself from this, God, so that you can speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Peter um, approached him, that him is Jesus, and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times. Now, now Peter probably assumed it's at least a one-for-one ratio for a while, right? Like if somebody does something, then you forgive them. I mean, after all, at this point, it's Matthew 18. He's walked with Jesus long enough to where he's seen Jesus handle some difficult situations. He's seen Jesus, out of love, go to people and talk to people in a way that Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, right? Because that's what grace says. Grace says, I mean, bitterness says, "Uh uh-uh. Grace says, yes. And, and he's seen it, so, he, so he's, he's intrigued because he's assuming a one-for-one, one, but you know what he really wants to know? What's the max? Have you ever said something like that to yourself, just kind of even in your own mind when you're dealing with something, something comes back up, you rehearse some past events, you deal with somebody again, and you, you just kind of ask this question even in your own mind, how many times? Right? Like, that's, like it just it comes out that way. And, and Jesus says, I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, was Jesus quoting a specific number? Was, was he really intended, or, or, or was he speaking towards the, the extent 
The, the, the long-suffering of God that was God's nature, that is Jesus' nature, is and is what we receive in the gospel, even in salvation. He says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven, he goes into a parable. Man, he just jumps into parables. His disciples are probably rolling their eyes going, we just, we just want straight answers, right? Like, we just, like, give us a sign. We even had signs one week. You can listen to that message as part of the series, too. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Um, I, I, I have in, in, in various notes the amount of this. Um, I, I didn't write it in my notes for this week because um, it, it, that's a pretty rehearsed statistic. But just, just for this passage, just, just remember um, the amount of forgiveness that you're getting ready to see compared to what comes up later in the story is, is just not comparable. Um, it's, it's just not. It says that he owed him this great amount of money. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. Now, in, in this scenario, this, was a, I mean, this would have been considered a legitimate debt. If it had grown to such a point, something had to be done to, to, to pay back this money. I mean, if, if you think about it, no matter how often, now, I don't know about you, but I would I'm waiting on the letter that comes one month that says, hey, this month, we don't want any money from you. Well, fantastic. Thank you. I, I appreciate you appreciating me as a faithful customer of Duke Energy, of Spectrum, of, of my mortgage company. All that's right. All right like, like, don't you want that letter to show up? But, but here's the thing. If, if all those services, if we like those and no one pays, they go out of business. We don't have those services anymore. That's called business, right? Like, and, and God's word even speaks to us towards wisdom when it comes to finances because he wants us to, to, to live wise in this world, to not serve money, but also to not have to beg. That's, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus speaks to us towards these different decisions and how we can help others in them. He says, at, at, at this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. That's a lie. There was no way he could pay this amount of money back. And, and they knew it. Why, I mean, why would you go to the extent of this punishment if you thought this guy ever had a chance to pay you back? Because to be the person in authority, do you think that's going to make them look good? No. They're not going to benefit socially from that. It's going to be like, whoa. I mean, they'll be feared, but they won't be loved. Just be patient with me and I'll pay you back everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. Now, this, this is how we know that it's grace. That it did not depend on or have conditions. See, this, this shows us that there's been grace received. That's the grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that, that our righteousness, our best efforts are like filthy rags, like nasty, dirty washcloths that get piled up at the bottom corner of the tub in the bathroom, right? Like that's, that's our good deeds. But it also says that, that, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, so grace in salvation, grace that God gives us doesn't wait on me or you to perform. Isn't that great? Like it doesn't require our best effort. That's how we know grace has shown up on the scene. It doesn't have strings attached. It's not, hey, here's grace, but you only get to hold it as long as you do this. Now, please don't mistake. Saving grace, grace from the Lord, calls us into obedience. But, but remember, salvation doesn't say, okay, I'm giving you grace. Now, do this. It says, I'm giving you grace and salvation. Hey, you're brand new. 
you no longer are that same person again. You have new freedoms in your life to be able to live for the Lord and not for self. The servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, he started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Man, that came back to haunt him, didn't it? Right? Like, was that not his own confession just a short time ago? Hey, you know, I, I, just be patient with me. I'll be able to, come, I'll be able to pay you back. He, he, he hears the same thing, just, but he wasn't willing. Instead, he went through him into prison until he could pay what he was owed. See, this is, this is what I would call a grace interruption. See, grace was given to this guy for, for it to take, um, take root in his life and begin to work. Okay, it wasn't what he deserved, but but it was given to him. Now, if that takes root and it changes you and it compels you to be different and to love differently, then grace is fulfilled. But it doesn't do that. He received and 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 I mean, there's not even really mention and, and note of his thankfulness. It's almost as if he thought in some way, hey, I probably kind of deserve that all along. And it's amazing what level our pride will take us to. Right? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's scary how we can be, get to a place and, and just become self-aware. Like, I, I just think that much of myself that I deserve all this. When Jesus said, hey, look, follow me. And follow is, is for the victory, but it's also for the Christ-intended suffering to, to have identification with him, to know him better. We make a great mistake when we think grace has freed us to go our own way. That's a big mistake. If, if we make the mistake that, hey, I'm saved. My eternity is sealed. So let me go just, let me kind of live my way through life. The question begs, if, if we're so sure in who Jesus is, and we've trusted him as Lord, are we, are we sure we've trusted him as Lord? Because if, if Jesus is Jesus, and he's paid for everything, not just my eternity, but he's covered my past sin and he's saving me now. He's, he's, he's bringing me to, to a point of faithfulness to live for him because he wants to work himself out into the world through my life. If, if that's who Jesus is, have I really trusted him in, as, in salvation if I really think that I could just really go live my life my own way and it just be okay? Like, does that really make sense? Does that really carry the same weight? Is what the gospel would present to us. It says when the other servants, other people, other people that, that, that live the same kind of life, had the same kind of financial struggles. It says when the other people's servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Now we're not, you know, when you grow up on the playground, you're, you're not a friend of tattletales, right? You know, like, don't, don't tattle. Don't tattletale on me. I don't know what point you grow up to where it's not cool anymore to say don't tattle. Um, but maybe just throw it out this week. When somebody just kind of brings something like that up, just look at them. Just adult to adult, lock them in the eyes and go, don't tattle. Right? Just see what happens. It's, it's, it'll be fun. And we don't, we don't like that. But, but when, you read, when you read that and, and you saw the authority that that master had, did you not feel a little bit good? And go, yeah, tell on them. And, and when I read that and I see that in myself, it's that other reminder of, yeah, I probably ought to be reading this passage. It, it just kind of shows me myself again in a little bit of a mirror. After he summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, 
I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was hungry, because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgive his brother or sister from your heart. Did Jesus just teach that? Did he just, did he just say what I just read? Yeah. In fact, he didn't just say it once. He said it in a couple of other teachings. That, does that not sound a little disturbing? Because he's saying, this is the kingdom. And, and so hang on a second. What picture of God are we supposed to walk away with from that passage? Are we supposed to look at it and God saying, okay, you don't act right. I'm not going to do good for you. I, I, I don't believe that's, that's the accurate view of God that we're supposed to have. But, but consider with me for a second. Let, let, let's take a, a gospel understanding of what's really happening and, and, and let's see not what God's not doing for us, but, but maybe, and catch this, what I'm not allowing God to do for me, okay? So if, if I, in my heart, receive grace, but then I act like this and I go and I'm just, and, and, and I hold someone and I'm cruel to them and I, I hold this against them, then, then I've got unconfessed sin and an unrepentant heart. Jesus is waiting with forgiveness for us. But, but forgiveness requires the, the heart and the, the ability to forgive, but it also needs repentance to really have forgiveness and restoration happen. So if I'm not confessing my sins, if I'm unwilling to do that, and if I'm unrepentant in my heart at my own sin, then, then I am allowing sin to be the wall that exists between me and God, and our fellowship is broken. And when our fellowship is broken... If I come to him and go, God, I, I, I really want you to forgive me for these sins. But, but, I'm, but that's basically what I'm saying. But Lord, I, functionally, you're really not the Lord of my life because I'm not going to confess them all to you. You don't get them all, right? Like I'm going to hold on to certain ones of these. And so if I've come to him really acknowledging that he's not Lord, then I'm limiting the work that can be done in my life. God's grace is sufficient. But I'm not approaching him in the way and having an open relationship in a way that, that grace can really do what grace is intended, which is for me to receive, for it to work in me, work on me, I should say sometimes probably, and then work out of me. So there's sin that's, that's, that's unforgiven. It goes on that way. And so God's not able to forgive that because if I don't come to him for that forgiveness, if I don't seek the Father, then it just lives and it exists. And it keeps me, in that sense, separated from close fellowship with him. So in this teaching, I, I believe we have to look at this and go, okay, it, did Jesus really just teach this? Yes, but we have to consider it's not God saying no as much as it is God saying, I would love to. Because I'm really the one saying no. Now, Paul kind of helps us to unpack this a little bit in Ephesians 4. Um, I want to read you a few verses here and, and, and really to kind of see further what's happening when, when this starts to really grow in my life. Ephesians 4, 25, it says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one 
to his neighbor because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. And that's, that's one of the greatest verses in the Bible, right? It's like, like if, you, if you thought, well, I can be a Christian, be a good Christian, I can't ever get angry. No, you can have righteous anger. Now, you can't go looking for anger. Like, that's, like that's probably not a great pursuit. But, but there is righteous anger that, that exists before sin happens. It doesn't exist in the line at cookout, unfortunately, but it, just, it does exist. It says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, I'm not going to go into kind of all the relational um, like definitions and, and carryover that, that we could go in this morning. But, but consider this. What would it mean to, to, to let anger exist? It grows roots. So, so this verse is, is a really clear warning against allowing. And, and here's the thing. Um, if I have what I call a yard. I didn't say that I have a good yard. I didn't say I have a bad yard. I have a yard. When my son, my oldest son, was old enough to where he wanted to go out and mow the yard. Did you catch that? When he got old enough and he wanted to go out and mow the yard, like a single tear came down my cheek. I said, Lord, you have delivered your servant. Yes, son, you can do that. I'm talking, and last, last year, at the end of the year, I, you know what? It wasn't even Christmas. You know what I bought my son? I bought him a new, brand new, nice Echo Weed Eater. Man, if you're going to do yard work, son, I want you to have the right kind of tools to be able to do this with, right? Like, what kind of dad am I to have the money to buy my son a good weed eater and not give it to him, right? Like, what, what kind of horrible father am I to keep him from doing the work, kind of work that he's on his sweetheart, right? Now, here's the, here's the thing. He does the work, but he has no money. I mean, he's got money, but he don't have, a, he don't have yard money, right? Like, he's not going to go out and buy fertilizer. He's not going to go buy the things that make that yard Great. It, so here's what's happened to my mom. I have a yard, but, but it's, it's progressed based on what I haven't done to it. Now, I didn't get up one morning like, you know what? I'm going to go plant me some weeds out there. You know what I think would like it? I, you know what I want more in my yard? Onions, right? Like, I, like, we need a crop out there in the front yard, right? Like, I didn't start out with a plan to get what I have. It just happened because I didn't do anything. And, and, and we... Typically, now we may choose to be angry, but we don't, spiritually speaking, I, I find that, that the majority of saved people don't go, you know what, I want to grow me some bitterness in this season of my life. It really more so happens because of what we don't do. And by not doing anything, by just letting time pass, what happens? And don't give the devil an opportunity. When anger turns into bitterness, Satan has a platform to work from in my life. When it when it grows, I just, I've given him a platform. Now there's a lot of a lot of a lot of um, translations you use foothold because I, I've often explained that way when you when you're chasing around when you're young and it's you and your sisters, your siblings, your brothers, or whoever, and somebody goes to shut a door, you just kind of put your toe out and they're pushing with all their weight, but because your toes in there, it just can't get it closed. That really is the meaning, but 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 it's an opportunity, it's a starting point, and and that is a starting point that is created for our enemy to attack us spiritually in our life. And, and those attacks spiritually, when we're saved, can crumble literally anything. No foul language should come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives uh, grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander, be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. See, Paul borrowed some of that teaching. He, 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 he inspiredly put it a little bit nicer, but he borrowed some of that teaching from Jesus. But, but, but notice what just happened there. In Paul's description of how to, how to work these things out and the, really the need to work these things out in our life, what do we see about bitterness? I'm, I'm telling you, it, it just mimics grace in a sinful, evil, destructive way. Did you notice? It started by just letting time pass, and it started to grow. In, it starts to grow inside someone. And, it, and at some point, it doesn't just grow in us. Think about what those verses then had to instruct. No foul language should come out of your mouth. It, it used words like bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, and slander. Those are the things that functionally come out of us when bitterness has become what fills us. We say stuff to someone and about some people and we, and we have the same conversation over and over and over again and we just wear people out like that because why? Because they're wrong? Yes, they're actually wrong. But we've become sinful ourselves. I'm sorry. I, I have become sinful myself. I'm not throwing this on you this morning. Bitterness functions in a similar pattern of grace. It grows on the inside and ultimately shows its fruit on the outside, it's one of Satan's opposites for God's grace. Now, I want to I read you an example. Again, I told you that the, the third part of this is not just, okay, like Jesus, what did you teach? Paul kind of help us understand it. He shows us how, how it mirrors grace in a way that destroys our life and, and grace builds us up. Um, now, I want to I show you Paul. Um, Paul had to wrestle with this in a particular um, instance that he shared with a younger pastor named Tiff, uh, Timothy. <laughs> Tiffany. Timothy, okay? 2 Timothy 4, he, he names the guy. Man, how about going down in the history of the Bible because you mess with Paul, right? Like you, like you frustrated Paul, and so for the rest of your life and for the rest of the history, your name has been recorded. Here it is. Um, and, and, and through this, I, I wanna, I, we're going we're gonna to stop, and we're going to look at some ways that we really, need to, we really need to consider how can we begin to deal with some of these things that are in our life. Um, 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse, verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. That's how this passage starts out. That's how this story that he's sharing with Timothy starts out. He, he didn't pull any punches. He didn't say, you know what? Um, I, I just need to kind of push this down. I need to ignore it. I need to be more vague with Nate. Like, there's a guy that disappointed me. No, he just goes right to the guy's name, and he acknowledges that this is a major hurt in his life. So, so what is the first thing that we really need to do when it comes to hurts and bitterness that, that are growing in our lives and things that, that, that don't just go away and we have a really hard time dealing with, to be able to move and, and, and grow in grace and be able to receive it but also have it really take effect in our life to be able to come out of us, the first thing I, I would suggest that we need to do is we need to name it. Now, naming it could be the offense, the person, the effect that it's had on you. There's a, there's a lot of people, it breaks my heart, there's a lot of people that, that I sit down and I counsel with and and it's... And it's sessions and sessions and sessions before they're able to just identify what they already know. The big hurt, the big hurdle, the, the, the dramatic event or events in their life. We're not trying to give praise to these events. We're not trying to handle them in unhealthy ways. But, but we have to acknowledge, right? Like what good does it do 
to not be clear, to have a target, to say, okay, God, if your grace is sufficient, if it's enough and it will go above my expectations to work on this in my life, then, then let's be clear of what we're working on. Let's not be, grace isn't vague, right? Like my, in, in saving grace, we were lost. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. That saving grace was not a vague, good, nice, rainbow mystery. It was Jesus on a cross dying a death that represented what we owed visibly in front of us and then coming back to life with power to show us that we have new life in him that is specific to what our spiritual condition was so we have to follow that practice in our life we have to name this stuff even i would encourage you to do this as you're sitting down if you're listening if you're watching online as we're talking about this if there's something on your mind and you really want god to work in that thing if you know what it is if you know who whose hands it came by don't be frightened to write it down Put it on paper as you begin to really see what God is going to do with this. Here's how he continues. He says, the Lord will repay him according. Now, let me tell you, this is, this is kind of a unique thing. If you ever do read 2 Timothy 4, um, there are, I think it's five, five different things in there. And if you're curious of what they are, I can send it to you this week. Um, but there's five different things in there where it deals with Paul and difficult people. And it really shows you in life and in ministry how difficult it is to just be person to person. Um, and, and, if, and if you go, hey, I, I don't think the Bible understands my life. In those five interactions, it covers about every difficult situation you could ever have with another person. And Paul's dealing with it not because he's running away from the Lord, because he's, he, because he's in ministry dealing with people. We're going to see a couple of them here. One, we already know, it's this guy, Alexander. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself because he strongly opposed our words. At my first offense, now, now we don't, Paul doesn't go in super detail, but, but here's, here's some of the severity of what must have gone on. Paul's getting ready to tell you that, that he had to go to court for this. And this would not have been a, um, a, a small trial where they wanted to get a fine out of Paul. Like, yeah, pay your fine, do your paperwork, and let's go. This would have been the kind of trial that his life was on the line. So the kind of trouble that this guy brought into Paul's life, it was, it was big enough to cost him his life. And there's many times where we, even as God's children, experience hurts, and it may not have killed us, but we, we become aware at some point that it killed part of us. It, it seems like it killed something in us. It seems like we couldn't come back, because other than Jesus, there's not a lot of dead back to life outside of the gospel of salvation, right? Like, we, we don't see dead things just come back to life. Now, um, there, there's a bunch of guys in our church right now that, um, that, are, that are hunting. Um, if, if you ever see me in camo, I'm not on my way to the woods. I'm hiding because somebody's after me, okay? So it would, it would really be a good Christian thing for you to do if you ever see me in full camo to pull over and go, Come, I'll give you a ride. Like, we got to get you away from here, right? Um, but but I, I do think it's so funny because I, I don't hunt. Um, but there's um, near my house, um, if, if you're from there, you know the area, uh, Turner Smith Road. Um, I, I pull up, and, and, and I'm facing Turner Smith Road one day, and, and there's a guy over to the side of the road that um, did not shoot the deer, but I think somebody hit the deer with his car. And, 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 and if you're not from here, I just need you to know this, because if you ever see it, it's going to shock and appall you. But, but this area of the country doesn't just, um, doesn't just like go out in the woods and kill animals for, for food and meat and stuff like that. But occasionally there are some that will just see something that has been killed and they'll just consider that, let's just call it free lunch, okay? And they'll just stop and pick it up and put it in their truck or whatever. I'm just, like, if you're not from here, it's going to happen in front of you one day. Just get ready for it, okay? 
So this, there's a guy, and he's, and he's about to do this, but his problem is he's doing this in like a Honda Accord. Now, <laughs> at that point, here's what my play is. If you're going to throw a deer in a truck, I don't hunt, but I'll give you a hand. If you're going to put him in the back of a Honda Accord, I'm no longer obliged to help you, except I do have the right to sit, watch, and enjoy it, okay? If I had popcorn, it could have been a movie, all right? So God's standing over this deer, and he's wrestling with it, and he's got a knife. I don't know if he's like, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do, because I don't know what you do with, I, like, self-aware, okay? But he's standing over the deer, and all of a sudden, the deer gets up. Oh, I was like, yes, I was so excited because I was like, this is hunting. Guy has a knife, deer's on its feet, a, a small rack, but it was a rack. I felt like it could go through him, and I was just like, now this is what I'm talking about. If this is hunting, I'll go buy camo right now. I'm not doing it, but I'm there with my phone, right? Like I'm taking video. So, uh, okay, I, 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 I say that because as, as, as we go into this section here, okay, we go into this section. Paul, that just, that just ruined the whole message. All right, Paul, as he's, as he's standing trial here, um, Paul, Paul is in a struggle, okay? Paul is in a struggle, and, and, and this struggle feels like he's the one that's being hunted. It feels like everything is in pursuit of him at this moment, and, and he knows that there are people out there that could give testimony of what the truth was. Okay, right? So they had the ability to help. Notice this. On my first offense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. So here's two different interactions. You got the, the guy who started it all. Okay, the guy who started it all. Then you have the people that could have helped. Paul's still standing alone. That's enough for that anger to grow roots. But in his reactions, I think there's three different paths that we can see and kind of be self-aware of that, that I hope maybe will give some light. I know it does for me, not just to where I need to choose to go, but also it helps me look back because these are not locked-in paths of life. You can jump out of the one you're on and get on another one for an unhealthy or an unhealthy reason. Just fair warning. The first of the three paths is this, to repress. Basically, ball it up. Don't talk about it. We're just going to push it back. We're going we're gonna to swallow the pain. We're going we're gonna to ignore it. We're going we're gonna to do nothing with it. Does that make it go away? No. Because here's the thing. I, I find this to be true almost 100% of the time. The things that we grow bitter over, many of the things that we are angry at, there was an element of righteous anger that, that, that was available to us. It, we, we were in some way probably correct to not be satisfied with that event, with that person, with the way that we were treated, with what their decisions were that were over our decisions and, and, and pushed their way through our decisions, desires, and rights. If we do nothing with it, then nothing gets done. He said, well, then why would somebody choose that? Because our, our nature seems to be, I just want to get away from it. And can just in love, I tell you something this morning. The, the bigger the hurt and the more the bitterness grows, 
if you pace yourself to do the work to get away, you'll keep doing the work that it takes to get away. And that's going to destroy. It will. Because it's, it's not right that that happened to you. But repressing doesn't allow an openness for the grace that God can do. And that's the only thing that is enough and will exceed expectations. So we argued well for that to not be our path. And here's one that I find, and, and this is my last warning. I'll go into the second one. If you're somebody who genuinely cares for other people, Okay, I've, I've, and this is kind of where I would say in a couple instances in my life, this is where, this is how God showed me what my real condition with bitterness was. In my heart, I do love people. And when you really do love and care about people, it's very hard to cope with the realization that in this one area of your life, you don't care that you don't care. And you don't know how to cope with that. Because everything in your heart says, this ain't right. And, and that'll drive you crazy. It, it literally will take you there. And, and, and then you'll wake up to it maybe the way I did. You'll just become aware that you don't care and you're going, I don't even know when this started. Like, I don't know that I can trace it back to the beginning. I know what hurt me, but I don't know when I stopped caring because I didn't realize when you're numb, you don't feel. And you don't know how long. Let's go on to the next one. Um, Rehearsal. That's when you retell it. That's when you relive it. And we can use that. We can dwell on it. I, I'm, I'm a dweller. I will stay on it and I can dig it. Like if you want somebody, if you're, now if you really are looking for somebody to get mad with you, I'm your guy. If you need to get good and fired up over something, I don't even care what it is. My ability to escalate aggravation is unprecedented. I, I, I have that gift. And, and here's the thing. I, I realize in that, I have not put away some of the things that Paul has, has, has says to put away. And, and, and they weren't even my things. Because it was just the fruit. I'd learned that was the fruit of my own bitterness that gave me that ability. Jesus didn't give me that. That's not a spiritual gift, right? So if you don't need to get riled up, don't call me. I guess that's what I should say, okay? But we, we could choose the path to retell it, to relive it, to rehearse it, to do all those things and have it just keep cycling and cycling and cycling. But every time it comes around, um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a more twisted and many times perverted version than even it started. It magnifies, it multiplies the way that it gives that, the, the more life it has, it, it, just, it just bleeds into other areas. And really these first two paths, uh, you, we, you can sit down with somebody in counseling, you can see the effect much of it has in other areas of your life. Leaving us with what I believe is, is one of the most spiritually healthy choices, another R, to release. Now there's several things, and, and I, I try to note these down to make sure that, that, that this is kind of hopefully as clear as it can be. This won't be on the screen, but just a few suggestions to think about. 
When, when we hear the word release, many of us go straight to this. No, nah, you crazy. I can't, that don't work. I've tried that. You know, and, and here's what the failure is many times for us. We have failed at releasing because our expectation for some reason was, I have to release it all at one time. And you know what most of us figured out? I know what I figured out. Can't do that. Can't do it. And, and so much of the reason we can't do it was because it should have hurt. It was wrong. It was unfair. So we can't release it all at one time. What do we do? Release in stages. Okay, let, let, me, let me mention a few to you that, that hopefully may be helpful. What, sometimes um, we have to release our rights. The right that we have to say that my life should just be easier than that. Because to, to, to really follow Jesus, there, there's an element of suffering. We, we don't get to choose what our suffering is. If I could choose my suffering, I'd be like, you know what? I want to I deal with a broken chair on, on a beach in Aruba. Like, that's, what, that's my suffering. Like, I will, I will deal with the broken chair in Aruba. Right? Like, just let me suffer like that for you, Jesus. And, and, and struggle being kind to the person that comes and waits on me. Like, right? Like, that's, like that's the suffering I would choose. But, but remember, it, we've even talked about this um, it, this doesn't say that um, God wants these things to happen to you. We, we've, we've covered some of that in one of our previous messages. We have to release our right to get back at someone. Paul looked at that with Alexander. He had to release that right and let the Lord deal with him and how the Lord would do that. We have to release our right to hold a grudge. And I would even suggest this. Um, when we're working on releasing, um, work on, I, and, and I, I have found more, um, more growth and victory in this, work on releasing the person more so than releasing the hurt. Because I, I have found that God's grace is the only thing that will work on the hurt And if, and if we think that here's what will happen, I'll, let, I'll, just have, I'll just let the hurt go. It just whips back around. So I, I have to be patient with the Lord and say, all right, Lord, if, if, if I'm going to deal with this in a grace way, then I, need to, I may need to hold the hurt long enough for you to work with it, but release that person because I'm not them, and I can't do the work in their life, and i got to release them to let you do that. Verse 17 says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will, dry, or, and will bring me safely into the heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The next one that will be on the screen is these two words, rely and trust. To be able to receive grace and have grace do its work in our life and grace come out of us the right way, we can no longer look to other people for what only God can do. I'm married to the greatest human I've ever met on this earth and she can't fix in me what God can fix in me. It's not for a lack of trying, but she can't. She would have to be on the inside of my soul 
and in salvation, praise the Lord, as we've, been, as we've read even today again, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in me and is there to do that work. And if I look to anything or anyone else, it just will delay grace, it will limit grace, and it will foster, will foster the growth, bitterness, and anger. The last one I want to put on the screen is this. This word reconciliation. Um, because many times when it comes to bitterness, what we're after is, um, what we're trying to pursue is, is forgiveness. Because we realize that's ultimately what needs to happen. Um, I've, I've preached on forgiveness before and how there's some things that we can do um, when we don't feel like we're ready to forgive. Um, you know, really the, the opposite of, of forgiveness, I mean the opposite of, of, of holding a grudge and unforgiveness is, um, is love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we're told some things that we can do. Uh, one of the things that we can, you know, one of the first checks for me with, with bitterness and unforgiveness is, um, can I pray for someone? Can I, can I do a kind thing for them and pray for them? And if I can't, that, that kind of gives me an accurate view of where I'm at. But, but just so you know, reconciliation, if, if that's the ultimate goal, it will take all that God will do in you and in me but will also need repentance from someone else if they've done something wrong and hurtful. That's full reconciliation and restoration. And that's why I say, that's why it's so important to release the person if there's ever going to be that. And, and, and on this planet, that reconciliation doesn't have to happen for us to, to be made new and made whole through God. What God can do, grace in us, remember what he said. He didn't say, hey, what I do in you plus what I do with them, and when you get together and everything's just you know, magical again, that's when grace is complete. No, he says, my grace is sufficient in you. So I have to trust and rely that what God can do in me, regardless of what happens in that person, will be enough. Man, I, I am not here to tell you this morning that what has happened in life is right. I'm not here to tell you that you should just get over it. I'm not here to tell you that it won't be one of the greatest struggles to push back on the greatest enemy, one of the greatest enemies of grace, which is bitterness, because of what's been done. I'm not saying that the debt that that person owes and should have paid is not way more than what they actually seem to have paid. I just know that the, the, the truth is, as someone that belongs to Jesus, the life in him that we're called to needs grace. And whether I really want to accept it or not, that bitterness and that hurt that grows and that anger that grows will work against that. And one of the maturing stages in our Christian life is, is that the version of Christianity that we want and are willing to accept? Am I satisfied enough with my current position? Or do I believe God for more and trust that, that more is, is available if I can operate in His strength and grace? I know this morning, this message does not solve anything. It doesn't fix what may have happened in life. And I hope in love you don't hear well, I'm, I must be just wrong. I'm, I'm, I promise you I'm more wrong than you are. But I do want you to hear and consider. 
what will limit grace in your life. And if you desire grace, I hope and love you've heard what should never stand against it. If you'd like to talk more, if you'd like to meet more about this, if you'd like resources to meet with someone else outside of our church about this, we'd love to provide those to you. Because at the end of the day, even though it doesn't happen quick, please, please know. And, I, I, and, and please be willing to believe that grace is greater. Grace is greater. It doesn't fix and erase, but it's greater. It's greater than the satisfaction that bitterness wants to lie to us that he'll give us. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you so much for the time that we've had. Lord, I know time has seemed to have just gone so quick this morning. God, sometimes even in that, it just reminds me that, Lord, I arrive at places way faster and more time has passed than what I'm even aware of sometimes. And I, and, I, and I wake up and I realize that bitterness that started out as anger and, and even righteous anger, right, anger that was justified, it, it just it, it grew roots and it just it stayed. And I did nothing. And I thought nothing would be enough and, and time would heal all wounds. And, and Lord, I just found out that that just, it's a nice saying, but it's just not true. Lord, it's just it's you that heals all wounds. So, Lord, help us today if during this time while we sing, if someone is, Lord, so directed by you and your spirit, Lord, I pray that they will come forward for prayer. Lord, I know that you can do and you are doing great things in everyone's hearts right now, I believe. God, if someone just needs a relationship with you through Jesus, God, I pray that they will move forward to find out, Lord, what does the gospel say about becoming your child? to go from being on the outside of the family as we were born to God being loved by you and, and, and becoming your child. Lord, it is, it is free, but it was, it was costly. It's all grace. It's all what we don't deserve, but it's everything that we need. Lord, in these moments, help us to just take your word and meditate on it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Before we sing, I know sometimes... A message like this kind of kind of goes and goes and goes. And I hope you don't think it was just repetitive. Um, man, just a prayer this morning is just that God really works in your soul over this. And you're able just to take this and just meditate on it today and this week. We love you so much. We really love you. You are loved here, I promise. Thank you for being here.